Fall, people love fall. It's my favorite season. <laughs> people that love fall, they go crazy for the foliage. They're like, oh, the foliage! Let's drive by the foliage! It's so beautiful the way the leaves die. They're so pretty right before they fall to their death. We think it's beautiful. It's the leaves hospice. It also helps that the leaves can't talk. If they could talk, they'd be like, ah! Give me chlorophyll! Why are these people driving by and smiling at me? We're rather insensitive to the leaves' tragedy. They die, they fall to the ground, we just rake them up. Kids, you want to jump on this pile of dead leaves? No? All right, I'll just light them on fire. Everything's running smoothly. of the KCMS Throwback Thursday, and we ain't throwing it back that far. Taking it back to election night 2022, recapping and reacting. I was the host for Mike Kelly, now Johnson County Commissioner Chair-elect Mike Kelly, and we were joined by Mayor Q. Get the mayor's comments on a bunch of stuff, all the questions, all the amendments, analysis up next with Mayor Quentin Lucas. After that, joined for the first time by author, host, Pundit, one of my favorite progressive voices, Jared Yates Sexton on your KC Morning Show. This is a hell of a get, y'all. I mean, I know we got the mayor and all, but I mean, we got Jared. We went to Jared's, one of my favorite conversations on this show all time. A matter of moments away, rate, review, subscribe, do that thing you do, Kansas City. I love you. Back in your feeds tomorrow, it is a good day to be a Kansas City. Absolutely, that's because of you, KC. We'll see you in the morning. Bye. You gotta fight for your right to fight. The KC Morning Show. We're here as election night recapping with Mayor Quentin Lucas. What what are you doing here? We on the Kansas side tonight. Well, you know what? This is about regional cooperation. Absolutely. It is a great day in Missouri, a great day in Kansas. It's a great day for cooperation and frankly, progress, moving our entire region ahead. And I think a lot of people were scared about what this election night would be. To me, I'm actually very excited about the people I get to work with now. What do you think? I mean, we're looking back at results. What's your takeaways? You know, a few different takeaways. First of all, the Kansas City bond questions. Don't look past question two. 
a $50 million investment in affordable housing the voters voted on, that's historic for Kansas City. A lot of groups to thank, right? I mean, we had Freedom Incorporated, KC Tenants, the city of Kansas City itself, a lot of my colleagues on council. There'll be bumps along the way sometimes, but to have this type of money and dedication is huge. That's one takeaway. Another takeaway is a whole bunch of people want to see legalized marijuana. This is a sign of the Missouri legislature, frankly, the Kansas legislature, too. Get it right, get on board. It's going to be happening anyway. And then finally, you know, I'll talk briefly about the police funding amendment that was neither really about policing and everything about state control. Tonight, you're having about 40% of Missourians who are voting against that. Mind you, there was no organized campaign. There was no money. There were no TV ads. A lot of Missourians, a lot of rural Missourians said, we're getting it. We're getting that this is wrong. To me, tonight is the night when the true fight for local control of the Kansas City Police Department and our own self-determination begins in earnest politically. I'm proud of, frankly, what we're seeing all around Missouri and Kansas. I don't know anything about the rest of the country. I will figure out if Herschel Walker lost. I hope he does. But regardless, it's a great day, whether you're on the Missouri side or the Kansas side, to be in Kansas City. I think we better listen to these kids. We can't keep pretending We know what we're doing I can't keep pretending I'm afraid If you'll sit and listen I'll tell you a secret President, matriarchs and teddy boys playing houses on the lake. How can we quit drugs if you're gonna watch like that? Give me five good reasons you trust us with our future. these kids I can't keep pretending that I'm still asleep and I can't keep pretending I'm afraid I was too stoned to call you but I thought that you'd say
Morning Show. For the first time on your KC Morning Show, hopefully if I don't botch this, the first of many times, this man is an author, he is an educator, a radical, that's what he is at his core, he is a radical and a pleasure now to call this man a friend. He has written such books as American Rule, How a Nation Conquered the World But Failed Its People. That book, I'm not blowing smoke here, my friend, it changed my life. And he's got a new book on the way, The Midnight Kingdom, A History of Power, Paranoia, and the coming crisis. Jared Yates Sexton for the first time on your KC Morning Show. I mean, I'm going to try really hard not to mark out here, so I'm just going <laughs> to pretend like I'm not. We'll just go forward like that. We also could take walks on the history of professional wrestling. I was going to add that in the intro, but I didn't want to overwhelm the folks. You know, that's almost <laughs> too much to take in. You know, there are about five people right now who are like pumping the fist. And that's, that's the way we want it. We want to give the best product that we can to the people, and we want five people just like basically driving over medians. That's how this thing works. We just got through a midterm. I would love to hear your thoughts, your takeaways. You just released a new article again on the Substack, Dispatches from a Collapsing State. You had five takeaways from the midterms. You mind giving us a little bit of a sneak peek? And then, of course, we'll link the article in the show notes so folks can go and check it out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, last night was a really fascinating affair. You know, I was watching it take place, and there were a few scenarios that were in play. Obviously, the the one that our media was really, really interested and invested in, and I would even go so far as to say rooting for, was the idea of a red wave or a red tsunami, the idea that the Republican Party was going to wipe out the Democratic Party, which history tells us is a high probability, particularly as you have a president like Joe Biden, who hovers around 40 percent, 42 percent approval rating. The economy, of course, isn't great. Things are sort of precarious in a lot of different ways. It should have been an election in which the Republican Party absolutely dominated, except for a couple of things. One, the people showed up. And when I say the people, I don't mean Democratic voters. I don't mean Republican voters. I mean people. I mean people who, they look at the Democratic Party, they don't feel great about it, they feel like the Democratic Party doesn't have a lot in the way of answers. They probably don't even approve of somebody like a Joe Biden. But you know what? The Republican Party showed up with a clown car. And this was an election of Trumpists. These were celebrities, or pseudo-celebrities, I guess I should say. These were unserious people. They were offensive people with offensive ideas about where the country should go. And so what we saw here, I think, is more of a reprieve and more of a warning than anything else. Democrats had a stronger showing, particularly on the back of people like John Fetterman. And I think John Fetterman is the type of candidate the Democratic Party should pay more attention to and should cultivate and should probably let these candidates do what they're doing and decide where the party is going. That being said, they looked at these Republicans and they split their ballots. They decided maybe I'll go ahead and I'll vote for this person over here. But my God, I'm not going to vote for this person over here. I can't possibly sleep at night doing that. So what we did is we walked away from this situation. It's not like the crisis in America is abated, but this is what I called a breath. This is a moment to kind of take stock of what's happening, what's working, what's not. And hopefully going into 2024, we're going to start to see a little bit of uh, soul searching, introspection. And, and my God, at some point or another, you've got to hope that the Democratic Party is going to understand where they've gone wrong and where they could possibly right their ship. But we'll see if that happens. Let's just back up. I want you to tell these folks, because when we say the word crisis, we're not using the woke vocabulary of the day. No, we're in an actual crisis. And let's not think that because we did the damn thing on Election Day that this all stops. No, it does not. It's just another day in the fight that we must continue. You know, explain this crisis that we're in. 
Yeah. And, and before we get in the crisis, one thing that I always want to reiterate, and you're absolutely right when you say that, which is elections are not ends. Voting in an election is the absolute minimal requirement of a liberal democracy. There's so much more that has to happen, whether or not that's organizing, engaging in solidarity, making sure to engage in civic duties and or holding people accountable. This crisis is occurring, and I want to go ahead and I want to explain this in a way that is both partisan but not partisan, because we're at a moment right now, and I think everybody can feel it. Everybody can understand that the current consensus, the current system as it works, doesn't work. It has reached a terminal point. I always say that it's because, of course, concentrated capital. We have individuals who can just, you know, buy newspapers or, I don't know, social media companies while also fielding their own, you know, space programs. And when you're looking at that, eventually things just don't work. And we're currently living in what can be considered a neoliberal consensus. Starting in the late 70s, 1980s, we started to see social programs getting cut. The government was more concerned with redistributing literally tens of trillions of dollars from poor people to the wealthiest people and completely upending society while building a world economy that took away a lot of jobs and also created terrible conditions for people that we're still suffering from. That's getting worse by the day. And the fact that that's getting worse has led to a point where people have lost faith in their institutions, as they should, and they're looking for answers. And the problem is right now that the only answers that are being offered are by authoritarians, anti-democratic actors and forces and movements that are interested in destroying democracy in any sort of veneer of it that we have and creating a more, there's no other way to put it, techno-feudalist state in which you get rid of the votes of the people in order to more or less honor white supremacy, exploitation, and rule by a few elites. And, you know, I used to talk about this, Harzel, and and people would say, oh, this is hysterical hair pulling. And suddenly now you look around and people are like, well, I don't know, maybe something like that is happening. I can feel it. You know, it's like being on a plane and you're like, ooh, something's wrong here. And we're reaching a point in which something is going to change. The question is, how is it going to change? Where is it going to go? And who makes the decision? How is it going to change? And the problem is right now, there's an authoritarian movement on the right, which is offering the only possible solutions. There has to be something from a resurgent left, in my opinion. And I mean, it's not like we don't have some of these answers. We've got a progressive playbook that works. I mean, FDR warned against this. He said, we don't invest in your folks and they feel like they've got nowhere to go. They they look for these these strong men for answers. I mean, this is not a surprise to anybody, but also like we've got some answers. I mean, look at the progressive wins in the Midwest on Election Day. I mean, Jared, that is significant. Yeah. And I want to go ahead and say real fast, I'm glad you brought up FDR, because one of the things we need to understand is that the previous consensus was the New Deal consensus. And this lasted, of course, from FDR in the 30s all the way into the 70s. It was the idea that the government should invest in projects that make the citizens' lives better and that they should be there to like make sure that businesses didn't take advantage of them and that they weren't being exploited to the point where they couldn't make a living. Well, guess what? In the 1970s, 1980s, the brakes get beat off that. And to the point where now you shouldn't expect the government to help you. And any social program is now considered socialist tyranny. It is a change that not a lot of Americans understand has happened. And to go off of what you were just saying, I was having a conversation uh, last night during the coverage of this thing. We were talking about Barack Obama. And I'm going to go ahead and say this, and and I'm sure it's going to raise some hairs on the back of people's heads. I'm talking about Barack Hussein Obama II, right? The first black president of the United States of America, who, by the way, 
won in the presidential election of 2008. He won Indiana. He won Indiana, my home state, which is unthinkable, except for this. He went into Indiana and he said, you know what? I think something happened in the 1980s to your jobs and to the political environment. And I want to talk about how we can possibly make things better. And all of a sudden you looked up and a bunch of Hoosiers and listen, Indiana was at one point, and I'm not exaggerating here. People want to check the history was literally run by the Ku Klux Klan. It is not a racially progressive state, but a lot of people said, you know what? I think I might give this guy a chance. I might actually see if he has some solutions that could possibly make things better. And what you find is, is that a lot of the people who aren't voting, they have given up hope on anybody talking to them. They've given up on anybody possibly representing them. They think that democracy has been co-opted, which it has. They think that the government has no interest in helping them, which they don't. And they, they don't have a reason to show up at the polls. Now, somebody like Donald Trump who came along and said, you know, this party is full of shit. This party is full of shit. That to them was like, oh, yeah, that's somebody speaking my language. It doesn't mean he was real. He was absolutely exploiting them. And he was actually, and people don't like talking about this, Trump running for president in many ways ran to the left of the Democratic Party and to the right of the Republican Party. He didn't mean any of it. He ended up getting into office and giving tons of money to billionaires. I think trillions of dollars actually got redistributed in four years. But the lie alone was enough to activate some people and get them inspired to come to the polls. It's that progressive agenda that you're talking about going back to at least FDR and a place where we can expect the government to actually look out for us and not to redistribute our money to already billionaires in order to try and turn them into a billionaire, trillionaire, oligarchical class. That's what gives Gets people to the polls. It's when you try, as the Democratic Party has for years now, to defend institutions that everybody understands are corrupted, co-opted, and absolutely falling apart, that's when you struggle. And I want to say real fast for anybody listening, the Democrats didn't have a good showing during the midterms. The voters had a good showing at the midterms. They said to the Democratic Party, we're going to give you two years to try and write this ship and give us something better, to offer us something that is actually palatable and edible. And, you know, the clock is ticking. There's no other way to put it. They're on the clock right now. Looks like we're headed to a runoff in Georgia. Yeah. So the Senate's still going to be up for grabs for a few more weeks. House looks like it's going to be headed to the Republicans, maybe up as many as, what, 12, 13, 14? Yep. How important is it still that we got to make sure that Georgia's on our mind come this runoff? I got to tell you, Georgia, and, and this is a place where I spent the last decade of my life, I can tell you Georgia is an absolute powder keg. The amount of money that has been spent in all of this, and, and I want to make this clear. The runoff actually in this case is going to be even wilder than the runoff in 2020. And here's the reason why. And I think you know it as well. This is about 2024. This is about setting up a situation in which you set up the dominoes that are going to fall in 2024 and have control over the presidency and possibly the entire government. One of the things that we're going to see and I'm keeping an eye on is you have two emerging Republican campaigns. Donald Trump is probably going to declare his campaign in the next couple of days. Ron DeSantis has all but declared his campaign. So now you're going to start to see a showdown in Georgia between two different political Republican interests. And on top of that, you better believe that every conspiratorial QAnon group, QAnon motivated, radicalized person who could, I don't know, possibly break into a Speaker of the House's home with a hammer. Those people are all going to descend on Georgia. And I just want to say on a personal note, 
I find it absolutely offensive and unreasonable that Herschel Walker, you know this as well as I do, this is a person who never should have ran for this office, never should have won the nomination. And the idea that he could possibly be a senator is an affront to liberal democracy. And it speaks volumes about where the Republican Party is and where America is. This is an absolutely essential contest. And I have to tell you, the next uh, the next couple of weeks are uh, the only thing I can say. They're going to be wild. That's that's it. And I think we're going to get a real, real close up preview of what 2024 is going to look like. Before I let you go, maybe I'm just being nosy because I've got it sitting in my cart and I want to know what's going to be in the pages. You got a book coming out. You want to give us a tease? The Midnight Kingdom, a history of power, paranoia, and the coming crisis due out in 2023. Give me a little wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Can we get a little something? (laughs) Well, that's kind. So basically, I wanted to understand like where we were and where we were going. So I had to go back into history. I had to relearn basically the history of the modern world and so-called Western civilization. So I started with Rome and basically I wanted to understand how we got the laws that we had, but also how power was distributed. And what I learned very, very quickly was that the conspiracy theories and the stories that are, are currently affecting our lives, everything from QAnon to the big lie of the election of 2020 to what the Republican Party is doing and this worldwide authoritarian movement that we're all watching coalesce, I know Notice that these are cycles throughout history. They are noticeable cycles in which the powerful, in order to protect themselves, they spread conspiracy theories and absolute horseshit lies. And once you start to track them, all of a sudden, Hartzell, you start to understand how power works. You start to understand that we are currently in this moment where literally, and and listen, I'm not going to sit here and apologize for the Democratic Party. I have my quibbles with them. I turned in my membership to the Democratic Party years ago. But the Republican Party right now represents a conspiracy theory, white supremacist, authoritarian movement that is basically a PR front for some of the wealthiest people who are trying to dismantle democracy and roll back the entire progress of the 20th century. And when I say that, I want to be very clear about something. We're not just talking about Roe v. Wade. We're not just talking about gay marriage. We're not just talking about affirmative action. We're talking about everything from regulations that make sure that you are safe in your workspace. I'm talking about keeping children out of mines and keeping children out of factories, because what is actually happening is a rolling back of history, which is how fascism, authoritarianism, Caesarism, whatever we want to call it, that's how it works. And so this is the story of how those cycles happen and how we are currently, if you want to imagine as a roller coaster, we are up near the top of the roller coaster and we're looking down and we don't know where we're going. That means that we have to understand it, we have to recognize it, and we have to fight. And we got to understand, going back to what we started talking about, it's more than just voting. It's making sure that we organize, engage in solidarity, and we're fighting for a better future. Because I got to tell you, the people on the other side, they're fighting really, really hard. They have a head start and they have a direction that they have decided to go in. And that direction is nightmarish. Jared Yates Sexton, for the first time on your KC Morning Show. Plug the handles. Where can folks go to find you, follow all your work, put some more of those books in the carts, wherever your faces and ears get books and all that good stuff. Plug every handle, all the shows. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm over on Twitter. I'm at JY Sexton. My sub stack is Dispatches from a Collapsing State. And I'm the co-host of the Buck Rick Podcast. And uh, I got to tell you, man, this has been an absolute joy. I'm a huge fan of yours. And uh, yeah, again, just totally marking out. I'm going to slide away before I embarrass myself. What is the WrestleMania match go to? When you, like me, can't find yourself ready quite to go to bed, you got to throw on a WrestleMania something. Jared Yates Sexton, what's your go-to? And why is the answer obviously WrestleMania 17, Rock v. Austin 2? I do that whenever I want to get excited. But man, <laughs> if I if I really... If I want to slide off into dreamland, I'm putting on WrestleMania 3, Macho Man, and Steamboat. There's no substitution. Nothing at all.